Morning Liberty. Well, what is going on, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of the Good Morning Liberty Podcast. I'm one of the hosts here, Charles Chuck. Still tall, Stuck Thompson. With me, as always, is the one who knows just about everything there is to know, Mr. Nathaniel Paul Thurston on the heels right now of our... We do the show live every day of the week when we want to, actually, so it's always live. We don't really... We don't edit before we put it out. But this weekend, we had our 500th live audience episode where the... Well, it was our first live audience episode. The, yeah. Sorry. The 500th episode. <laughs> the first live audience episode. Thanks for always being there to correct Actually, me. if I can correct you, uh, correct myself as well, we did a live audience episode at Politicon also, so it wasn't even our first live audience episode. This... Right. <laughs> it, it, <laughs> It was our 500th episode party. How yes, about that? There you go. And we had we had an audience, our, our Patreon group, uh, the people that got in and decided to come hang out with us. People from all over the place, by all the way. All over. I mean, New Jersey, fantastic. Maryland, Rhode Island, Texas. Minnesota. Indiana. All over the place. California. California. No also. from Hawaii, shockingly. Dang it. Where, the, where our biggest morning audience is. They are pretty restrictive. <laughs> I do get yeah. that. Yeah, just very cool feeling to Tennessee's see. Tennessee's probably a foreign country right now with coronavirus. <laughs> probably still to is, qualifies. <laughs> probably qualifies. No, it was really awesome to see everyone come that far and spend all that time, and and of course the plane tickets and gas and all that stuff for your for your cars. That was really cool to see people do that and to see people that care about liberty. I mean, mm. that that's really really awesome. I think we're gonna just make it a yearly thing. I don't care what episode we're on. It just needs to be every year. Well, and we'll call it something. We'll we'll come up with the a Patreon new name. Patreon group said Liberty Fest. I don't know if there's one out there already called that. So we can do Liberty Fest in we'll Nashville. Come up with something. Yeah, I like I it. Think, and Nashville's a great location. Liberty Fest is taken. Jeff said, "Okay, all right. Well, mm. we'll have to come up with something else. Freedom Fest. No one has that one. <laughs> That's right. That'll be okay. Also, for everyone else wondering too, there was this conspiracy called Six Eight Gate, mm. and I want to be fully transparent." And that's that's who I am as a person, and so I wanted I want to tell everyone according to Jeff's measuring tape that he brought to Nashville <laughs> with him that I am six foot seven inches tall without shoes on. So I'm he might have doctored the tape now that you possible. mention it. I, and the way that you said we didn't that didn't have a control. You've so opened my mind up to the idea that Jeff had doctored the tape. It's still, okay. It could still be a conspiracy. Yeah. There are still questions to be asked about this. Do you still identify? But I want to say so far that uh, we could say six seven without shoes on is 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 a pretty stand. It's still tall, mm-hmm. and I'm probably still the second tallest libertarian that we know of. But uh, now the competition's heating up, so so we won't know. But anyway, for those of you that just listened to the podcast that aren't Patreon members or did not join us, we had an absolute blast with everyone. Down in Nashville, we shot some guns. Okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. we came up with new mixed metaphors. Okay, <laughs> we ate some food. We played some can jam and cornholio, cornholes, mm-hmm. and um, we had a great time. Went out to eat and just partied like it was nineteen ninety nine. And I, I will say the really fun part was just sitting around talking to everyone. Mm-hmm. We had some debates that, from what I could tell, I won every single debate against Amanda. That there's no. Uh, there's no dispute on that one. I think it's I think it's settled. The science is settled on that one. Yeah, wait till you hear the podcast that <laughs> Nate edited. So don't worry. Yeah, yeah. No, um, really great time. We're gonna do it again. But we have some big stuff to talk about today. Make sure that you subscribe to this podcast. Okay, ninety percent of the time, your life gets better every time after you subscribe to the Good Morning Liberty podcast. We talk about life, liberty, and the pursuit of meaning every single day of the week when we want to. So smash that follow button on your podcast app. Okay, so there are these protests going on. Peaceful protests, by the way. Look like mostly peaceful protests. Probably. The actual mostly peaceful protests from what from what I can tell. Mm. Watch for the left-wing news to start showing any violence in the protests and then Fox to not show any of the violence in the protests, by the way. Mm-hmm. Go ahead and get yourself ready for that I one. always love flipping back. When I watch the news, I flip back and forth. Yeah, and it's it's amazing. <laughs> I recommend it to everyone. It's good TV. So you're feeling it, like a trash TV day. That's one of them. In in Cuba, people are taking to the streets to protest 
you fill in the blank. It depends on what news station you listen to, honestly. Capitalism. Capitalism. Yeah, they're they're protesting free markets. They're protesting COVID. Or they're shouting that they want freedom and they want to end their dictatorship. It depends on which news station you watch, honestly. And I've pulled some amazing examples before we get into this. The code word, by the way, the key word that was sent out to everyone, to all of the news, was rare rare protests <laughs> they, they have to say they have to say rare because you have to know that while these are protests because cuba is so amazing and communism is so great this rarely happens while in the u.s we see protests all the time so the key word that has been sent out to all the news stations is rare i didn't even catch that that's awesome and so uh this was from cnn cubans take to the streets in rare protests over lack of freedoms and worsening economy they hardly ever have to protest against it because it's normally so amazing but due to covid it's not anymore uh top stories here from bbc Cubans join rare protests as economy struggles. Here's another one. Three key issues that explain Cuba's rare protests. <laughs> and it uh, it keeps going, but it's just fun to watch that. Obviously, they saw a key word and they knew what narrative they wanted to get across. And you know what? I think them. I'm impressed by how by how smart they are in their propaganda. All right. So, so we'll probably uh, split this up a bit, you think, right? Actually, yeah. it's a, they're all they're, Cuban they're all separate. They're all so. separate ones. They're all Cuban, and a lot of them are from Fee. But the first one, just to give some news much, on it, did you have to pay a tax to get this? Yes, Cuban information. I, I did. Yeah, and I think <laughs> it's probably all wrong. But <laughs> Cubans take to the streets in massive anti-government protests. By the way, hilarious article title from the New York Times was that Cubans were shouting freedom and other anti-government slogans. New York in Times. the street, New York Times, they were shouting freedom and other anti-government slogans. <laughs> Maybe the New York Times has a few, <laughs> has a has a small speckle of balls left. It's amazing. Okay, from this is from the New York Post. It actually was the most balanced one I saw because it mentioned kind of both sides of what's going on here. But it but, is a, a little right leaning, I would say, the New York it, Post. Yes, for yeah. sure. But I just noticed that they mentioned both both things in this article okay. whereas the other ones are, you'll see some ridiculous stuff blamed here in a sec as well as uh, of course the trade embargoes which we'll get into here in a little bit because i do think that matters when it comes to an economy but that's we'll, venezuela's problem we'll talk it's about yeah sanctions. that's the only reason that happened of course thousands of cubans took to the streets sunday in protest of the country's food shortages and high prices amid the coronavirus pandemic the anti-government protest in the capital of uh, in the capital of Havana lasted about two and a half hours before it was broken up when a few protesters tossed cobblestones at police, leading to several arrests. See, they mentioned that there was a little bit of uh, not peacefulness in By the, the way, protest. Uh, these are bees, basically. What's up? Habana. Habana. These are bees in Spanish. It looks like much. a V to me. I don't know. It is, but. Before it's, uh, I'll do it right this time. I just wanted to let you know. No, it's okay. I do that to you literally all the time. Because so, Amanda's not yeah. here to correct you. Um, before so. its conclusion, trickle these in here. Let me see. Uh, before its conclusion, hordes of demonstrators. <laughs> <I just got> <laughs> Many of oh them young <laughs> marched around the Capitol <laughs> chanting freedom enough and unite with police trailing behind them. We are fed up with the cues, the shortages. That's why I'm here, one middle-aged protester told the Associated Press. The communist country is suffering from its worst economic crisis in quite a long time, I guess. Cuban President Miguel Diaz-Canel, can't, yeah, I'll say it that way, mm -hmm. Miguel Diaz-Canel, Undermine Sunday's demonstrations while visiting the small town of San Antonio de los Buenos, which has been plagued by power outages. Quote, as if pandemic outbreaks had not existed all over the world, the Cuban-American mafia paying very well on social networks to influencers and YouTubers has created a whole campaign and has called for demonstrations across the country. So he's blaming this on social media. Of course. Being out there. That's, that's what's going on. And this is obviously just because of the pandemic. Things were actually amazing in Cuba beforehand, which we will go to our resident Cuban analysis uh, from someone who's actually been there before, Mr. 
Charlie Thompson over here, who has Chuck. been to Cuba. Chuck. Chuck. Still tall. Thompson. Okay, so let me tell you guys about a couple of our sponsors real quick. Don't hit the skip button. Get your finger away from the skip button. All right? These people are keeping the show going. They make it possible. The first one I'm going to tell you guys about is BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash Gmail. If you guys are potentially going through a stressful time right now, maybe you're reading things on Twitter and you're getting really stressed. Maybe you're going through family problems. Maybe you have relationship issues. Maybe you're depressed for whatever reason. The, the lockdowns have caused depression. Maybe all kinds of other things. Uh, deaths in the family. Anything. BetterHelp is going to help you, all right? These are licensed therapists. You go on there, you make an account, and you answer some questions, and they pair you up with a therapist, a licensed therapist that you can talk to through the app. You can do phone calls, video calls, all kinds of stuff like that. Secure calls. I know a lot of people don't like talking about important things like this over the over the airwaves, you know, we're worried about that. It's a very secure app. No one else is going to see your conversations, all right? They're going to pair you up with someone, you don't have to go with the person that they pick for you. You're going to give you a list. You can choose between different people. It's so much cheaper than going into the office. It's safer if you're worried, if you uh, have a compromised immune system, if you're worried about going out in public, it's safer. Just going to stay at home, be able to go do this over your phone. So anyway, check out the BetterHelp app. Get on your phone, search BetterHelp, get on your computer, type in BetterHelp. BetterHelp.com slash GML will give you 10% off your first month, 10% off. BetterHelp.com slash GML. trying to think, when did I go to Cuba? I went to Cuba in... 2016 or 2017, I believe, uh, after Obama had opened it up and I think it's closed or it's been closed for a little while now. Um, but they, but there was a cruise that I was able to book and go to Cuba for a couple days. And it was, um, it was interesting to say the least. Um, and I, we had a good time of course, cause we were tourists. So we saw the nice tourist section of Habana. And, uh, we, hmm. we got off the ship and the, there was a lot of, um, security and police there to check you in. But, uh, interestingly enough, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful we decided to take a tour because Cubans aren't, this is what we were told, by the way, they're not allowed to talk bad about Cuba. Mm. That's number one. Never heard of that. Number two, we drove by the, everything, by the way, is legitimately from the fifties, probably like fifties. Like all of their cars, I saw no new cars, except for at Castro's house. <laughs> um, I, I saw, I, I like I literally didn't see anything above 1958. Probably mm. was the latest that was there, except for the tour bus we were on. That one seemed pretty new. Um, but anyway, we took a tour around town, and and that was the first thing I noticed was like, oh man, like everything legitimately like when you see the pictures that's legitimately what it looks it's like like time traveling now it is very colorful uh, i will say the buildings are nice and colorful in fact the hospital that we drove by was blue and our tour guide made sure to mention that uh, if anyone had any trouble you would receive free health care at their hospital and uh it didn't look any better than any of the other buildings by the way <laughs> seems like it had been through a few hurricanes perhaps hadn't uh hadn't been repaired in a little while and then, of course, I asked the question, how, how much do doctors get paid? Just so you know, the salary for physicians in Cuba is 20 U.S. dollars per month. Now, have no fear because they get their rice and their bread and all their stuff, you know, to the, they get all their uh, their housing and everything taken care of. And that's just their that's their folding money, you know, folding money. That's that's what they get to put in their pocket. 20 U.S. dollars a month. And so that was nice. And then, of course, he also told us how the mafia, the real mafia in the 19, I don't remember, 70s or 80s or whatever, was building all these resorts. And they they basically had a clash with the government and, and the mafia is what screwed everything up, is, is what he told us. Um, but what was most interesting about this entire thing was this guy was very happy to be a tour guide. And I know why, because by the time it was over... I bet he had about three to four hundred dollars in tips. Rich. Yes. Very rich. That guy wow. compared to definitely doctors in Cuba. Uh, completely rich. I, I'm telling you, I would prefer to see the doctor on the cruise ship than I would to get free health care in <laughs> Cuba. I can tell you that much. So it was very it was a very interesting experience. So 
we have someone who has actually been to Cuba before. Now, you did have the tourist experience, so obviously not being there for a long time. I wasn't able to take it to the streets, really. Yeah, but, but you probably saw the best part overall. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and we stayed in we stayed in Havana. I didn't go anywhere else. Um, I did buy some fake Cuban cigars. I mean, it was still real Cuban tobacco, but I did. They, they were fake, but I bought them anyway because I felt bad. And then, because when I saw them, I was like, these aren't real. <laughs> and he goes, no, look at the look, the label right there. I'm like, no, that's not real. <laughs> and uh, But I was like, I'll give you some money for them. And then, um, the what's hilarious is, though, the government. So you have to buy real Cubans from the government. That's the only place to buy them in Cuba. Um, and when you buy them from Cuba, they're like $8 a piece. <laughs> mm. So I did get some real ones, too. Um, and, and it was interesting. But anyway, continuing on this... This rare outbreak. It's a big deal. I wanted to spend a lot of time on it because communism has been trending. I saw a couple hundred thousand tweets uh, about communism on Twitter. Cuba has been trending number one. Socialism was trending very high up on the list. So this is obviously sparking a massive conversation between people talking about why did this happen in Cuba what is really to blame? Of course, they don't have real communism. And because of the trade embargoes against them which we will admit and talk about here in a bit, that does make it pretty difficult. If you are a communist country, the only way you can survive is by trading with capitalist countries. So you, you have to admit that that is going to be pretty important. So we will talk about some of the economics behind that here in a minute. Oh, the how the turntables. <laughs> the irony strikes again. Cuba protests. Three key issues that explain the rare unrest. <laughs> So rare, folks. From BBC, the coronavirus crisis, number one. Number one thing. This just started happening. Mm -hmm. Sunday's protest appeared to be the result of societal exhaustion stemming from acute economic and health crisis. Acute. Mm -hmm. that not, this hasn't been going on for decades. No, it was amazing when you went there. Everything was beautiful, upkept, really nice. Yeah, I was yeah. thinking about moving there, mm -hmm. but honestly. then coronavirus happened. But then coronavirus happened, yep. so I stayed, you know, in in the foreign country of Tennessee. Yep. And uh, but this is a, this is an acute economic and health crisis. Everything else is fine there. <laughs> the pandemic and economic measures taken by the government have made life in Cuba increasingly difficult. The island, which had kept the COVID-19 pandemic under control in 2020, has seen infections explode in recent weeks. On Sunday, the island officially reported 6,750 cases and 31 deaths, although many opposition groups say the true figures are likely to be far higher. They just don't have the doctors to tell where they are or not. <laughs> and they're going to, they're not going to give you real information. They're a, they're a communist regime. They don't have to. You have to keep the people happy. So yeah. you, or they will end up protesting in the streets against you. Yeah. So you, you have to give fake numbers. Of course. Number two, the economic situation with tourism, one of the engines of the Cuban economy practically paralyzed. The coronavirus pandemic has had a profound impact on the economic and social life of the island. Uh, like I said, the tour guides are probably the richest people on the island. <laughs> so unfortunately, I bet, I bet most of their money gets taxed away from them, though, because I, I got bet. Some crazy stories about that in here, too. It's pretty ridiculous. This has been compounded by growing inflation, blackouts and shortages of food, medicine and basic products. So this is uh, this is very interesting that uh, all countries experience this coronavirus lockdown. Right. Mm -hmm. And here you have uh, Cuba, which is a just a beacon of life that most people want to emulate just perfection. And they have had growing inflation, blackouts and shortages of few food just from the virus. They had to mm -hmm. shut everything down. So and they probably the, had to deal with economic wise, the flood of Americans on rafts trying to get to Cuba. Yes. Has that's been, been a problem. The, for imm their immigration system. They're having to build a wall right now. Mm -hmm. and it's taken a lot of money to do that. Yes. At the beginning of the year, the government proposed a new package of economic reforms that while increasing wages, because that's the silver lining of inflation, folks, <laughs> while increasing wages triggered a spike in prices. Huh. Economists such as uh, Paval Vidal from the Pontifis Pontificia. I thought you said V's were B's. Huh? <laughs> On that, that one's Vidal. Uh, from the Pon Pontificia. PJU. <laughs> Hobby. Uh, Habriana Jabariana of Cali <laughs> in Colombia. 
a Colombian university, okay? Uh, not not Colombia like in uh, the Northeast, but yeah. Anyway, this guy estimates the prices could rise between five hundred and nine hundred percent in the next few months. But don't worry, because the wages are going to go up with yeah. that, folks. Yeah, don't worry about it. Yeah, silver lining. Your your wage might increase a hundred percent, which won't keep up with the five hundred and nine hundred percent. But hey, at least you're making more money. That doesn't have any that that doesn't have any purchasing power. Since last year, the government has opened shops where Cubans can buy food and basic necessities in foreign country, foreign currencies, which there is a shortage of on the island. But the shops have angered the majority of locals who are paid in Cuban pesos, the national currency. Long lines of Cubans queuing up to buy goods such as oil, soaps, or chicken have become commonplace during the pandemic. Basic medicines have become scarce in both pharmacies and hospitals, and in many provinces, they have begun to sell pumpkin-based bread due to the lack of wheat flour. Cubans interviewed by the BBC last week said some medical centers do not have any aspirin, while the island has seen outbreaks of scabies and other infectious diseases. Last month, the government said it would temporarily stop banks accepting cash, deposits, and dollars, the main currency that Cubans receive in remittances from abroad. And they're not going to take them anymore. Nothing to see here. Mm. Now, why wouldn't... Now, why would a bank stop taking cash dollars? Well, right now they're saying they're not going to take it because it's dirty. No, it's but got why, COVID why, on it. Why wouldn't, why wouldn't they take it? Mm, I'm not sure. Because by the time that they give you an exchange, the rate of inflation <laughs> happens so quick that that dollar is worth way less. I, I don't know if we'll be able to state how crazy number three is, by the way, for why this protest is happening. What, what has led to this? Why didn't this happen previously? Why hasn't this happened in so long? There's something that led people to protest. Mm -hmm. What was it? Well, it's this one here. Number three, internet access. When you list out the problems that people mm. are facing, number three is internet access. On the list. Out of the top. Not that they don't have the internet. Mm -hmm. The problem is that they have the internet. Before Sunday, the largest protest in Cuba had uh, seen the largest protest Cuba had seen since the start of Castro's communist revolution took place in August of 1994 on Habana's Malian waterfront. I think that's how you say it. I don't know. Now, never mind the fact that I told you guys when I went there that Cubans aren't allowed to say anything about bad about Cuba. So imagine. Not a protesting, because if you did, you'd be you'd be in jail. I think they organize enough people now that it's it's hard to get them in jail. Many Cubans had no idea what had happened in the capital. Thirty years on, though, the scenario is very different. Under the presidency of Real Castro, Raul Castro, Cuba took liberalizing steps that led to greater internet connectivity on the island. Since then, Cubans have used social networks to express their dissatisfaction with the government. Like Twitter, because you can be anonymous. Mm -hmm. Today, a large part of the population, mainly young people, have access to Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, which are their main sources of information from state and independent, independent media. These social networks have become platforms for all for these racists. <laughs> no, platforms for artists, journalists, and intellectuals to demand their right for or call for protest. Indeed, Sunday's protests were partly organized on social media, where news of them spread the Cuban government says social networks are used by, quote, enemies of the revolution to create destabilization strategies and follow CIA manuals. <laughs> hey, hang on. That follow CIA manuals. Yeah. The, <laughs> the Cuban government literally came out and networks. said, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, we know social, I mean, social media, they're just havens mm -hmm. for right wing conspiracy theorists. For, for for racists and ideologues, they're just havens for all these insane, crazy people who would do something so much as protest and shout for freedom. I know. Anti-government things like that. Yeah. How long do you think until they shut off the internet for people? We've seen this happen around the world. Probably happen soon. Yeah, I think that Real might happen soon. pretty Maybe soon. Maybe today. So you guys might remember Bernie Sanders being pretty friendly with, uh, with Cuba. And talking so nicely about how amazing everything is over there. So when he was on 60 Minutes, he defended what he said about Cuba and, and said, let's see, Fidel Castro came into office. You know what he did? He had a massive literacy program. So everything got a whole lot better. But 
Fee did this nice article. By the way, to learn a lot of, a lot about what was going on in Cuba, I looked at Fee because I thought it would be a really good website for this. And they had dozens and dozens of articles about Cuba and disproving a lot of the crazy things that you'll hear, some of the stuff about their infant mortality rate, their literacy, all of that. And of course, I, I got some really good information. So as always, we recommend going to Fee.org to get information about these things. Castro did not give Cubans literacy. Cuba already have one of the highest literacy rates in Latin America by 1950, nearly a decade before Castro took power. So remember what a lot of people on the left, and we'll call out Bernie because he's literally been one of the ones out there, will say that they're, he fixed He's literally their, defended them on he, national it, TV. Yeah, he fixed their literacy rates. He gave them free health care. He gave them free food, all these wonderful things. But like a lot of things that governments end up doing or taking credit for, which is something that we talked a lot about this weekend, it was already there before Castro took power and actually got worse after he took power or stopped growing after he took power in the case of the literacy rate. So they, had all, they already have one of the highest literacy rates in Latin America in 1950, which is a decade before Castro took power, according to the United Nations. In 2016, Washington Post fact-checker fact checker Glenn Kessler debunked a politician's claim that Castro's rule significantly improved Cuban health care and education. In today's Cuba, children are taught by poorly paid teachers in dilapidated schools. Cuba has made less educational progress than most Latin American countries over the last 60 years. Contrary to Sanders' claim that Castro gave Cubans health care, they already had access to health care before he seized power. Doctors frequently provided free health care to those who couldn't afford it, you know, like they do right now. And the Washington Post, Glenn Kessler noted, As for health care and education, Cuba was already near the top of the heap before the revolution. Cuba's low infant mortality rate is often lauded, but it already led the region in this key measure in 1953, before Castro had taken over all of the systems. All right, and one very important thing to remember about their infant mortality rate, by the way, is that Cuba likely counts this differently. What they could find is there are different ways of counting the infant mortality rate. There's the 22 weeks until the until the first week or 22 weeks until birth. And then there is the first week after the birth that they will count. Only the first week after the birth is counted in the infant mortality rate. And that is the one that they have really low. But oddly enough, they're, uh, I can't remember what it's called, the late fetal, something like that. Uh, it's actually really high. It's six times higher than a lot of the other countries that they that they looked at the data on. Imagine that. And so what they came up with, what they could basically find was that Cuba is essentially taking the neonatal deaths and taking those numbers and putting them into the the uh, late fetal deaths. And that's why they are so much higher than most of the other countries. And then they end up with a really nice low infant mortality rate. And they can run around and talk about it. Which they advertise as something like five point or 4.1. And they were estimating that it was anywhere between 8 and 11 uh, was the actual number. And the U.S. is at like 5.7, I'm pretty sure. Anyway, Cuba led virtually all countries in Latin America in life expectancy in 1959. Before Castro's communist seized power, but by 2012, right after Castro stepped down as a Communist Party leader, Chileans and Costa Ricans lived slightly longer than Cubans, in which they were living a shorter life span before that. Cuba's made less progress in health care and life expectancy than most of Latin America in recent years due to its decrepit health care system. Quote, hospitals in the island's capital are literally falling apart. True. Sometimes patients have to bring everything with them because the hospital provides nothing, including pillows, sheets, medicine, and everything. After Castro took over, the prosperity came to an end. Castro's destruction of Cuba, this is a quote, cannot be over-dramatized. He looted, murdered, and destroyed the nation from the ground up. Just one factoid explains it all. Cubans once enjoyed one of the highest consumption of proteins in the Americas, yet in 1962, Castro had to introduce ration cards, and that was meat, two ounces daily, as food consumption per person crashed to levels not seen since the 1800s. Mm. And... <laughs> Could you tell me the first paragraph of this next article? We don't actually have to read it. Oh, just want the first one? It's <laughs> just the, hot, the okay, highlighted this is, words. Yeah, funny. from NBC News. Um, Cuban president defiant blames embargo after protest. The first paragraph here. Actually, this is pretty important. If you look Okay. At, yeah. A defiant Cuban president lashed out at the U.S. embargo against Cuba on Monday in a response to rare protests across the country over the lack of food fuel, medicine, and other goods during the pandemic. 
Would you it's, guys like to schedule a rare protest? Those must be different from other protests. Yeah, that is. Specific it, kind of protest. It's crazy how they all, all of them do it. And so that every time you read something, it just gets ingrained in your mind that it's like, okay, well, it was rare. It was rare. Obviously, it was rare. <laughs> what are you talking? We don't need to talk about the protests. It's rare. This never happens. It's rare. I, I think I saw Magoo said he likes his protests medium rare. <laughs> <laughs> medium rare protests. Yeah. President Miguel Diaz-Canal said that a politics of economic asphyxiation was having a, cumul a cumulative effect throughout Cuba. He and representatives from his government said U.S. sanctions against Cuba had contributed to power outages and limited access to food and medical supplies during the pandemic. Speaking of the economic issues in Cuban society and the reasons some have been protesting, Diaz-Canal said, what is their origin? What is their cause? It is the blockade. Diaz-Canal said the Cuban protests were the result of a U.S. and social media campaign to manipulate people while the island was facing hardship during the pandemic. Mm, okay. That's why. Yeah. and mm, Of course. I put in a note here. It's really interesting to see all of these articles from all of these news outlets talking about how terrible everything is in Cuba and how it's been so bad for such a long time. I feel like about a week ago, anyone talking about Cuba, if you were more on the left side of the aisle, would have talked about how it was so amazing, so much better than America, and, and they had just great health care and amazing education systems, and they got free food, and all these things were great. And now, there, it used to be Cuba's amazing, and they're so much better than America. Now it's Cuba sucks because of America. It's a, all of a sudden that's yeah. And you see how this how this shifts. And this is a great starts coming out. Tweet here from Brad Palumbo, where he tweets out and says this was uh, today. He said it's ironic when socialists say sanctions are the reason for a socialist country's economic woes. So, you agree that the lack of access to trade and free markets is the problem? <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's great. So what they're saying is, for this, for a communist government to survive, they must have access to countries that have free markets. If you cut off their free markets, there's no way they can make it. Right. <laughs> they, you can't expect them to be able to do this. They need to get stuff from the countries that have markets. They get Come stuff on. from the countries that produce things, <laughs> that actually make stuff, as Elon Musk would put it. Magoo says Cuban poverty is rare. It's very rare, mm -hmm. for sure. So about these trade embargoes, by the way. I, you know, I, I read up a lot about it today, and it was initially, it was in a response to Castro coming in and nationalizing the industries, including American industries that were there, American companies that were there. They literally just seized control of everything. Mm -hmm. And so they, they did this trade embargo over them. And, and that is, it's an interesting question, and I tried to get Amanda to debate me on it this weekend, and she just refuses to debate me about it. I know. Why don't you debate me, Amanda? Come on. It's an interesting question. When a, when a country seizes control of actual American businesses that are operating in their country and nationalizes them, are there any repercussions for that? I'm not saying that I don't want to drop bombs on anyone. Right. I don't want to do that. What do you do? One of the only things you can do that are pretty much nonviolent, although they can lead to people starving, right. malnourished, things like that. One of the only things you can do are things like trade restrictions, or you can end up having a war with someone, or you just let people nationalize businesses that are American businesses and just do nothing about it, which sends a signal to the rest of the world as well. Which, I mean, you're opening up a business in Cuba. In another so country, yeah. I mean... I'm not saying I just completely support the embargoes. I'm saying you're in that situation. What's a punishment for them? Now, does it need to last... 50 years, you know, is it, is that something that needs 60 years, how, 60 years, 60 now. years. Is that how long it needs to last? I, I don't know. The, the ultimatum on this was to switch back to a democratic elected leadership and that they would end the trade embargoes. If you switch to having democratic elections and democratically elected president, then we will stop having these, these sanctions on you. And so that is, that's also another thing like, okay, you want to say, well, you just had a dictatorship pop up and not going to allow people to vote. And you also took over businesses that we had in your country. And, you know, I'm just saying it's it's not always as easy. I don't think we should have moved in with tanks or anything like that. But in that situation, I don't think it's always as easy to just say, 
you know, oh, that's it's that country completely leave alone. I'm, we're we're pretty isolationists, I guess. Yeah, but it's a little well, bit more and, difficult. You know, Cuba Castro was heavily influenced and worked with the Russians pretty closely. He was, and remember, the communist state of Russia failed. Cuba hasn't. Well, that was because of the CIA. Yet. Well, it's all because of the CIA. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now, look, I'm not saying the CIA is a great organization. Of course, you know, they've done some terrible things, but it's just, it blows my mind how we can just, we just bypass all of the likely answers mm -hmm. because we're so, we want so bad to institute socialism slash communism that we bypass all the obvious examples where it's completely destroyed nations and people. Just bypass those because it couldn't be that. It's got to be. The CIA. Yeah. It's got to be the U.S. It's got to be capitalism. It's got to be these free it's, markets it's and trade. The, never these, communism. It's never. No. Never is. It can't be that ideology. And <laughs> what's interesting is there are, um, despite the United States and their embargoes, I think you're getting ready to read this here, there are still countries that trade with Cuba. Mm -hmm. even That's though, true. Even though they're friendly with the United States. So how can it be the United States' fault? I guess, what do we grow that other countries can't what do, what do we have i don't know that's a good question that leads to another thing i read today talking about it's not just the embargo you have to realize for people to trade they have to have something to trade for it yeah and so they need to be able to produce something that other people are going to want to trade for right. or that they can sell and they can money. use their money to get things yeah from other people and if you destroy all your industries and you have no money to buy anything or you're not producing things because of your perfect marxist government that you have well, it's also hard to trade with people after that. But yeah, countries do still trade with Cuba. Uh, this was coming from CNBC. Many of the provisions of the embargo were bypassed with the help of countries that do business with Cuba, despite their own close ties to the United States. So some countries have just said, I don't care about your trade embargo. We're going to trade with Cuba. This includes the Netherlands and Canada, which are the primary trading partners. The Canadian and European tourists have been regular visitors since the late 1990s. The Cuban government has been only too happy to help this situation along by allowing direct acceptance of the euro and tourist areas and by waiving convert, uh, conversion surcharges against British pounds and Canadian dollars. As a result, tourism has boomed and America's allies have helped it thrive. So it's not as if they are completely locked down. They cannot get anything from anywhere else. There are no countries to trade with them because we have completely... They still say blockade, by the way. It's still, yeah, they're, they're we in this... We don't have ships surrounding Cuba and stopping people from taking things in the Cuba. Right. Yeah. Okay. They somehow just, they're still in this trap yeah. though. They can't use our ports, but by the way, ships can travel more than 90 miles. So that it's it's not all the in trade case embargoes. You didn't know. Well, See, look at you knowing just about everything there is to know. Just about everything there is to know. The Cuban American community also plays a role in the embargo's lackluster results despite almost uniform anti-Castro sentiment. Many Cuban Americans still send money to family members back home. A practice that has persisted for years, the activity has been so widespread that in 1993, the Cuban government made the U.S. dollar legal tender. <laughs> this status was rescinded in 2004, and a 20% surcharge is now levied on all U.S. currency conversions. But it's the U.S. stopping the currency from going there. Mm -hmm. It's not the fact that they have a 20% surcharge on people sending money over there in U.S. dollars. But despite the fees and despite the law, the money keeps getting sent Anyway, and I read another interesting story today about companies, a company that was hiring people in Cuba. They were paying them $10,000 a year, or the equivalent, and Cuba was taking over $9,700 of the payment in, in taxes, taxes from them. Well, the rich had to pay their fair yeah. share, Nate. So the people <laughs> were actually getting paid less than $300 to work for this company, but the company was having to pay 10000 to have the people in Cuba working for them. So you I mean, think if they you're stayed? taxing the top 1% at 97%, you should have a booming economy. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I mean, that's just fair share, Nate. Why you're upset about that. If you make, if you make over $9,000 a year, yeah. you should be taxed at 97% because <laughs> that's not fair. That is true. To everyone else. Progressive taxation, right? Exactly. There. It only makes sense. <laughs> you can't argue against it. That exactly. boat hunts. <laughs> the boat does? Yeah. It hunts. Or we got this and goes last, longer than 90 miles. This last little bit and then a video that I'll warn you. This is a trigger warning on the video. I watched it twice today. Teared up, almost shed a tear both times. 
Just so you know. Almost because you don't cry. I don't actually have any emotions. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's not real. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But we're going to watch that after this. All right. This is coming from Fee. Again, Cubans want capitalism. Cuba is sometimes idealized as, as a successful counter model to capitalism. This month, however, the University of Chicago released a study about the opinions of Cuba's population. The findings of the poll were clear. Cubans want capitalism. This must have been a secret social media mm-hmm. poll. Cubans on Cuba. 65% of interviewees said they want to privatize more businesses and decentralize the economy. 68% see competition as a positive way to promote ideas and as a motivator to work hard. Many Cubans have uh, have an entrepreneurial mindset with 56% of the people planning to start a business in the next five years. To compare, 57% of Americans plan to become entrepreneurs. So basically the same percentage. Because they're both humans. The Cuban people are ready and willing to improve their lives, but the government prevents them from doing so. The centralized economy constantly allocates resources poorly, leading to economically devastating consequences. Taxi drivers, for example, make more money than doctors due to the government regulations. I already told you guys that. (laughs) Well-educated professions, therefore, either leave the country or take positions far below their skill level. Scientists sell ice cream, professors become illegal book vendors, and teachers wait tables. And all of them do all kinds of jobs under the table for, for, for American dollars. Probably under threat of imprisonment at all exactly. times. Yeah. So, well, I don't know. The data's in. Seems like the majority of Cubans want, they want a shot at it. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, give us, we try this whole socialism thing. Like, let's do, let's do capitalism for like let's 10 years. Let's just try this for a bit. Let's have a free trial of, cra- of, of free markets. How yeah. about that? Okay, uh, I'm going to play this video real quick. This is someone that was speaking at the Republican, the GOP, uh, national convention during the election last year, but I think you will find this to be rather valuable and uh, and very important. So please, please give it a listen. Let me make sure this is all going through right here. Is this a rare video? This is rare. Yeah, he okay. was rarely speaking out against Cuba. My name is Maximo Alvarez. I live in Miami, Florida, not far from the state of Florida which is in just a 90-mile wide blue strip on a map for me. It divides freedom from fear. It divides the past from the present, from the future. I know all about the past. I'll never forget my own. My family has fled totalitarianism and communism more than once. First, my dad from Spain than from Cuba. But my families don't run away. By the grace of God, I live the American dream. The greatest blessing I ever had. My dad only had a sixth grade education, told me, don't lose this place. You'll never be as long as me. I'm speaking to you today because my family is done abandoning what we rightfully earned. There's no place to hide. I'm speaking to you today because I have seen people like this before. I've seen movements like this before. I've seen ideas like this before. And I am here to tell you, we cannot let them take over our country. I heard the promises of Fidel Castro, and I can never forget all those who grew up around me who look like me, who suffered and starved and died because they believe those empty promises. They swallow the communist poison pill. If you have a chance, go to the Freedom Tower in Miami. Stop and listen. You can still hear the sounds of those broken promises. It is the sound of waves in the ocean carrying families clinging to pieces of wood. Families with children who can swim, but willing to risk everything to reach this blessed land. It is the sound of tears hitting the paper of an application to become an American citizen. Most heard and liked the promises, but soon after, they experienced the reality. Look at them, listen to them, learn the truth. Those false promises spread the wealth Free education, free health care, defund the police, trust the socialist state more than your family, 
and your community, they don't sound radical to my ears. They sound familiar. And Fidel Castro was asked if he was a communist. He said he was a Roman Catholic. He knew he had to hide the truth. But the country I was born in is gone, totally destroyed. When I watch the news in Seattle, Chicago, Portland, and other cities, when I see the history being rewritten, when I hear the promises, I've heard echoes, I've hear echoes of the former life I never wanted to hear it again. I see shadows I thought I had outrun. My parents only wanted one person to decide my fate, me. Not some party member, not some government official, not some bureaucrat. In America, I would decide my own future. I am so grateful to America, the place where I was able to build my American dream through hard work and determination. I may be a Cuban born, but I am 100% American. This is the greatest country in the world. And I said this before, if I gave away everything that I have today, it would not equal 1% of what I was given when I came to this great country of ours. The gift of freedom. Right now, it is up to us to decide our fate and to choose freedom over oppression. Okay, I mean, it gets me choked up again. It does. Watching that, yeah. doesn't it? Especially the part where he's like, if I gave everything I mm-hmm. had away today, it wouldn't even equal 1% of what I came here with. And uh, the, the Freedom Tower that he talked about in Miami, I, I, I went to Miami, I didn't see that. I should, mm. I should probably look at that, go there next time. Never been there. But we, we, we have evidence of people risking their lives. Could you imagine? I don't like being, you know, 30 feet out into the ocean uh, in a jet ski, let alone. <laughs> could, could you imagine, you know, just like building a raft out of sticks or somebody left a raft laying around and you decided to blow it up? A door. A door. That two people could have fit on, by the way. <laughs> Rose. Rose. <laughs> Jeez. People risked everything. A lot of people died on that journey, by the way. They were they were more willing to die than get free education and health care. Mm-hmm. And that should tell you something. But um, you know, I I I hope that this rare protests continues. I hope it becomes less rare. And it becomes less rare. And we can talk about how Cubans are finally uh, right, not finally. That's the wrong word. Cubans are have decided to rise up and and not be scared to protest their government anymore. And uh, and this is what I want for every human being. I want every human being to ha- to taste the same thing that Alien Gonzalez tasted, um, which is which is freedom, just like Mel Gibson said in Braveheart. <laughs> you know, it always comes back to me. <laughs> it's it's the, the truest words that have ever been said. When he says, fight and you may die, or run and you may live, That's fight, <laughs> and you could die. But but would you do that? Like, would you, and many Cubans have, they've risked giving up their own life just for one day, for a chance at freedom. And it's the it's the sweetest gift of life. And, and none of us, we are, you want to talk about privilege. Can we talk about American privilege? <laughs> or rich privilege or or uh born privilege like where you were born and how many people don't know what it's actually life to like to live a life of true suffrage where not only are not only do you have cancer and you're a single mom and you've got eight kids running around and you don't know what to do uh, but you also don't have the freedom to improve your yeah, life that uh that video still got me the third time and I don't know. I don't know any way. I don't know any. There's nothing that we could say that would be any better than what that guy just said right there. That's what the people in Cuba really want. That's what all human beings really want is a chance, an opportunity to make something of yourself. They don't want everything handed to them. You might think you want everything handed to you, uh, but but you don't. And people have lived through that for a long time. They're willing to get on a raft and risk their lives and risk their families' lives to get away from all that free stuff to have a chance at having an opportunity to truly make something of themselves, whether or not limited to how much 
money they can make or who they can be, that they could do anything that they want. They can make as much money as they want. They can achieve their their meaning in their lives and their true potential and fulfill their actual purpose. And that's not something that communist or socialist regimes give to people. You don't give people the opportunity to fulfill your purpose or to find meaning in your lives. You're just a you're just a cog in the wheel making whatever amount of money the government decides you're going to make and you don't have the opportunity maybe you might feel that way at a business also working somewhere but you have the opportunity to be better than that and you can be better than that in these places you can't be better than that you don't have that opportunity so that's what people actually want and the best thing he said i think and well a lot of good things but one of the best things he said in that whole speech that he gave was that his dad told him the only person he wants deciding is fate was him mm -hmm. and that that you can't buy yeah it, it's it's the greatest it is is it is the ultimate gift of human life is to be free free to make your own choices and man I, you know i i truly hope this rare occurrence becomes less rare that's <laughs> that's my prayer all right y'all if you enjoyed today's show which i know you did although it was a heartfelt solemn show i could say yeah very, very rare and solemn do we cover cuba <laughs> so it was a rare episode it was it was a rare episode <laughs> yeah. so you guys please share the show with a friend with an enemy share it with the cubans let them know down there in cuba find them on the facebook and instagram and send them over to the good morning liberty podcast where they can learn about life liberty and the pursuit of meaning and man it just makes it makes me want to go down there and free some people doesn't it can we say doesn't it make you just want to like find a way to free the people what i, I want to bring I, any cuban who wants to come to america i want them to just I, I want them to get on a boat or on a plane and come over here and then i just want to make them americans and then they can live their lives to the to the fullest extent yeah. that's what i actually want i felt that way in some of the other countries I've they been can in. make 50 million dollars and set it on fire in their front yard if they want to <laughs> they can that would they be the dream. we won't even put them under a conservatorship we won't let anybody <laughs> put them under conservatorship that'll be that'll be the dream right yeah. there so share it around folks share the show with a friend it's because of you that uh podcast keeps growing and we really appreciate it go to patreon.com slash good morning liberty leave us a rating and review on apple Podcasts if you think it's worth it hit that follow button and if you do all those things, we'll be back again tomorrow. Hope you have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.